and welcome to the Tempence Arcade Podcast. My name, as ever, is Victor Marland, aka Vertvik. Hello, hello, Sean. How are you? Hello, I'm Sean Holly. My name, as ever, is Sean. In your face, Holly. I've not said that for a while, have I? Oh, you won't be saying it this time either. Ha ha ha! I'm going to stop saying it for legal reasons. Yes, absolutely. Not in anyone's face anymore. No, you're not allowed to with all the social distancing. No faces allowed. Oh yeah, forgot about that. How how are you doing, old son? Are you back to work yet? Not quite. End of the month, isn't it? Yeah, well, we, a couple of us are going in and we're we're getting it ready. You know, but there's a lot of stuff going on. There's going to be lots of new games. And Can you tell of... the Loon listeners before you carry on where you actually work, just in case they don't know? Arcade Club. And where is it? Bury, Greater Manchester. And Greater what's it Man- like up there? It's all right. It's pretty nice. It's, it's the north, but it's the place for arcades, is it not? Yes. Mm. Yes, there's lots going on. So is there anything you can tell us what's going on? No. No, absolutely secret. But you're looking forward to seeing everyone again. Yeah, we should have a message on the on the Facebook page. Actually, this is out on Thursday, isn't it? Is it it's on the 9th. Should be, should yes. Have, should have a message on there detailing what's the new procedures and everything because it's it's covid central isn't it we've we've, mm. we've had to change a hell of a lot of things i bet so yeah so that'll that'll all be detailed on hopefully by the time this is out thursday yeah we'll provide links if need be yes so what have you been up to son well we yeah, have been i've been uh popping into work quite a bit sorting helping out there mm-hmm I've been... Oh, guess what I've been doing? Ooh, 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 ooh. Making monkey noises? Yeah. But, uh, certain games I've gone back to, right? Cause you can, ooh, got same lot, here, actually. Got a lot of time, don't you? A lot of time on your hands. I've been playing Kicker. Yes. You know, Kicker. You that that one, you one of my favourite games, yeah. I looped it on the first go in about a year. Yeah? It's cool, that, isn't it? Yeah. Nice one. But only, only on normal level. Yes. Horizon, which is Moon Patrol 2, I, I really do... I Do really like, like that, that one as well. I like. I know you're a big, massive Moon Patrol fan, and it got on my nerves after a while, even though I liked it as a kid. But I really liked Horizon because when we sort of looked at it when we reviewed Moon Patrol, we weren't too favourable about it. But when we actually played mm. it, I really liked it. It was a great game. Yeah, I'm getting well into that again. And also, on a, on a Moon Patrol tip, I found a game a long time ago that a friend John Stewart introduced me to called ASCII Patrol. Oh which yes. Is it's Moon Patrol in ASCII graphics. Yeah, I looked at this because I didn't see the link until not too long ago. And I looked at it and it's fantastic. It's like a modern remake of it, but as you say, using the ASCII graphics. But it's not simple at all. It's really detailed. It's got great music. Yeah. It's a really fun little game. It's great. It, yeah, it's sort of... it's the, the, sh- the ship or the craft or the buggy or whatever is a lot more responsive yes. than the Moon Patrol one. So I went back to playing Moon <laughs> Patrol. Thought it's a bit slow, but yeah, they they're using ASCII graphics, but oh, there's a lot more jiggery pokery going on. There's a, there's explosion effects, and yeah. but it is all entirely in ASCII graphics. And there's a there's a, there's a story mode, and there's lots of stuff going on. It's you brilliant. Can down- you can download it to computers. I'm not sure which ones, and you can also play it online. You can play it in a browser. So that's yeah, pretty cool. I, I like that a lot. I've played it in the browser, and it it saves you. There's a high score table. It saves that. Oh yeah, there's, there's, um, there's like levels. You can you can put your high score in and see who's online playing it as well. Yeah, there's it's kind of missions. There's a little ASCII map at the top of the start screen, mm-hmm. 
and about f- I think it's five or six different worlds. The first two are unlocked, but yeah. you have to then you know complete the first two to unlock the others. And it it's really good. You it's get really like smart, we- isn't it? weather effects and stuff in it later on. <laughs> it, all in ASCII. <laughs> yeah, straight. It's, yes, very very clever. Scro- parallax scrolling and everything. And I've been playing on and off over the last month. I've been playing a lot of our featured game, which I which we'll talk about later. We will. Um, as you've been doing as well, mate, I've been going back to a few games because I, I popped the Horizontal Pony on, which is my Horizontal main setup in it, and I had a really good go at Green Beret. Green Bertie. Good old Bertie. Ooh. So I haven't played it for ages, and I do like it. And um, when we played it for the podcast that time, I actually looped the game. I finished it. First time ever. And I haven't mm. done it again since. And I had a go of it. And there's only four levels on, on Green Beret. And I got to the end of level three of my first go. That's not good. too bad. I've still, still got it. Um, and I would like to 1cc that again, so I need to go back to that and play it a bit more. I also played, on a similar sort of note of a game, uh, Kung Fu Master. I'm very rusty on that. And mm. I, I, think I, got, I think I got killed on the second level, which is shameful. You should at least get to the fourth level. That's usually pretty easy to get to the wizard, and then it's easy after that. But the wizard's a hard bit. And I also had a, a good go on my uh, on the machine I fixed recently as well, which we'll talk about in a minute. And I played Super Earth Invasion and Galaxy Wars, which is old, older, sort of late seventies games. Mm. So other stuff that's been going on lately uh, in the arcade and sort of uh, our gaming kind of world is: Have you heard of a Pico Eight? Do you know what a Pico Eight is? Yes, I've played a couple of games on there, and I quite like it. Yeah, it's, online the online version. It's a virtual console. So if you could imagine a console that come out and people are programming in this online language, if you will, and it's quite a chunky little thing. I think it's quite limited with with graphics and sounds and how much memory you've got to play with. I'm not sure what language they they um, program in, but it's and people release these virtual cartridges online for games to play. You sort of load it up, and I think what people are actually doing, I think you can play it. You have to buy Pico Eight if you want to take it offline if you want to take it out of a browser so you want to put it on a computer or whatever and i think mm. what people are doing is that they're putting on raspberry pis and making little consoles like little handheld game boy type things that just run pico 8 virtual cartridges and i think they might even be putting them on sd cards or so you actually put an sd card in and use it like a, a, a console cartridge it's really really fun and these games are really smart they're sort of quite on purpose chunky graphics but really colorful and I've been playing a Scramble, version of Scramble, and it's really, really cool. And you can play it in a browser. We'll put uh, notes, links in the, in the show notes. And there's also a uh, Bubble Symphony or Bubble Bobble type game on there, which is really good as well. There's loads of different games. There's quite a few arcade ones, but a lot of them are sort of like console-y kind of games, but quite simple. They're really, yeah, there's a lot really of platformers smart. and stuff. Aren't there? There's... I think it's something like 160 by 160 resolution, really low. But yeah. It- the, the animations on the on the best ones look really good, very clever. Yeah, because it's using sort of quite modern hardware, like obviously your computer in a browser or a Pi or whatever. So it is quite good. So it's using the old style stuff, but it's not limited by you know old processors and such. Mm-hmm. I like them. I played a few of them. Here is an actual arcade thing going on. I Ooh. fixed my Space Invaders monitor nearly on my own. <laughs> nearly. Ooh. Sticks. Um, glue and no there was no glue and there was no fuzzy felts involved or any glitter actually but what what it was is is martin law smarty martin my mate 
who's very clever at fixing the older stuff as well, especially monitors and, and older type games. And he was at telling me things to go through. I was, we were sort of doing it remotely. I was on the phone to him, you know, sending messages and stuff and sending pictures. And it's an old um, 19 or 20, 19 inch black and white monitor. It's an old Motorola monitor. And I didn't really know the first thing about it, but they're quite simple monitors. There's not a lot. The, the actual chassis is only about seven inches, eight inches square. It's really small. There's not a lot on it. And there's a lot of bits underneath the monitor as well. But it just it was just a screen full of white, you know, white lines. So it's sort of full up with white. Obviously only black and white, mm-hmm. even though two on and offs anyway. So we knew the game was playing because I took it to Martin's a few weeks ago and he checked out on his, on his rig and it was working fine. And I was looking at certain things and he was telling me to I'll take this, this transistor out and I was checking the transistors, which I know I had to check now quite easily. I took about three or four transistors out. They're all fine. He said, well, you know, it should be working. There's, I was probing certain things when he was telling me to and there was there was um, activity on certain lines where it should be and where it shouldn't be and all this sort of stuff. I was checking things out and checking voltages and stuff and checking pots. And in the end, there was one pot on the chassis, which I didn't know what it was for. And I sort of looked it up and I saw what it was and saw what it should have been. So I, I took it out and measured it and it was open. There was, I think there was either, yeah, there was no electricity going through it at all. It was open. You couldn't, you know, it wasn't connected to anything. So it was broken inside. Right. So I had one in my little parts bin. I'm broken inside. I know you are. I had, oh, yeah. I had one in my parts bin, which was a different style. So actually bend the legs around and sort of make it fit. Ping worked. I was really happy because that is a fix by me, that was. Because I, I asked Martin what what the actual pot did. And before he sort of got round to, to replying, I'd replaced it and fixed it and got it right, working. And I'm absolutely over the moon with it. That's why I've been playing it a lot lately. It's brilliant. It's fixed again. Yay! Oh, well so let me give myself a... Ping, 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 ping. Taito are celebrating... Well, they were celebrating Space Invaders Day on June the 16th. Talk about Space Invaders. Mm. I think they're just trying to get on onto on board with like Namco are doing their Pac-Man 40th. So Space Invaders. What's that then? It's 78, and it June the 16th, 78. Yes. Yeah. So 32 years. A bit weird. Anyway. Yeah. Might be Space Invaders Day every June the 16th then. I think you'll find it's 42 years old. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. 42. Sorry, Nick. Sean, put your socks yeah. back on. I know you're using your toes to count then. What was it? That's me calculator. Yeah, oh, wow. 42 years ago. And talking of arcade games, you know that game Donkey Kong? I've heard of it. It's the world record has been beaten again. This time by Robbie Lakeman, who was the world number two. He's now the world number one. He got 1,260,700 points. Definitely deserve a ping. And that beat the 2019 record by only 1,700 points, which is about three barrels. There's hardly anything in it now, isn't it? And, and it's getting really close to, you know, you can't get much further than that. But if they've tried to work it out, because there's a lot of random elements in the game, you can't really work it out that precisely. But this is really pushing it now, really pushing it. Yeah, they're, yeah there's just points in it now, aren't they? Like 1,700, like it says there. It's, it's not I, a lot. I don't know. I couldn't be bothered. But yeah, you've got to be lucky apparently as well, haven't you, with the with the 800 barrels and all that lot. Yeah, because um, when, when um, King of Kong, the, the sort of docudrama film came out quite a few years ago now, they were just getting to a million points and just beating a million. And, that, and now there's a quarter on top of another 25 or 26% on top of that. They've actually toppled now. So it's a really good record. Absolutely brilliant. Robbie Lakewood is a fantastic player. So good. And... Mm. Talking of the Donkey Kong World Records, this is a bit of a low point, I reckon. It's more <laughs> annoying drama from Billy 
Flipping Mitchell. It seems like Guinness Book of Records have caved into his lawyers and reinstated his records. This is really, really boring. Now, the guy used MAME. It's been proved by a ton of Donkey Kong experts, programmers, and world-class players. They've actually analysed the videos. They can prove that it was MAME he was using. So, I don't know why he couldn't just admit wrongdoing. He said, you know, I didn't think it was a problem using MAME. Obviously, it was. And, and then go about setting some live world records to sort of say, look, I am a really good player. Here you go. And he hasn't even done any home recordings as far as I know. Because a lot of people, when they do a record, they, they set the video up, they show the board in the machine, they show everything working up, and then they turn the machine off and back on again to show it's not going to high score saves or anything. I don't know why he just didn't do that, because everyone would respect him as a player more. Because everyone knows he is a really good player. He's fantastic. But this is just nonsense. And it's it's really boring. And I think... That is the last time we're ever going to mention him on this podcast. I'm so bored of it now. <laughs> yeah. That being said, though, I haven't seen these, but I've heard he's been Twitch streaming a lot. Mm-hmm. And he can play Donkey Kong and Pac-Man. To oh, those yeah? That... Yeah, he can. When he Did he actually do it back in the day, though? We don't know. Was mm. the King of Kong movie kind of altered? You know, they maybe altered it to make sure he got a million points and he yeah there's a lot of controversy about it but yeah, yeah he's he's a really good donkey kong player very good donkey kong junior player i think there's a couple of other games he's really world class at as well so yeah it's just this whole thing it's his ego i think and it's just ridiculous it's always about him i don't want to just let it go and just try and beat the record himself on his own merits that you know meritocracy would really prove his skills but he just didn't so mm. Yeah, we will, we will not talk about him on this podcast ever again. I'm so okay. bored with it. <laughs> I've been buying a few things as well, not many, but one thing I did get which is really really handy, and it's also handy in the arcade world. But um, I bought an AY38912 to AY38910 sound chip adapter uh, from a good oh, fellow. I love them. I love them. Well, you say that. It is our yeah. favourite sound chip because it's a sound chip that's used in many, many, many arcade games, consoles, and home computers. And the reason why I bought it is the Vectrex takes an 8912, which is a sort of cut-down version of an 8910, but they're very similar. And what this thing does is it, it allows you to use the 8910, which is a lot easier to get hold of, a lot more common than the 8912. So it's a little adapter. And uh, it's a good fellow, RFC2795, and he, he's also known as the designer of the RC2014 single-board DIY computer. And these things are £3. They're an absolute bargain. So if you've got a broken Vectrex where your controller doesn't work, where you've got weird sounds coming out of it, this thing will fix it as long as it's socketed already. Otherwise, you have to put a socket in. Um, and it's a lot easier to find these chips because the last four 8912s I bought have been fakes from China. And, and two of them actually came from Arcade Shop in America, which is a really good shop. Um, but I don't think they tested them in a Vectrex. They just believed they were good because they got them from a good source, and they weren't. They didn't work on my Vectrex at all. So that is a really good thing to do. I'll leave a link on the show notes for you to get these. They're absolutely brilliant. They're really nicely made. Any little single thing, you've sold it together yourself, and then pop it in there. It's brilliant. So this is what you've got in the notes. RFC2795 is not a chip. No, no, that's the guy's name. That's his, um, his handle on, on Tindy, the little store you can get it from. But as well as adapting the 8912 to 8910, it goes the other way as well. You can adapt an 8910 socket into an 8912, so you can sort of use either one. 
because a lot of it's, computers use that chip. The eighty nine twelve is used in the the Spectrum one two eight and the plus twos, and eighty nine ten is in in everything. It's in uh, scramble hardware. Uh, it's in all sorts of of games and lots of old computers as well. Brilliant. Be chip. careful. Be careful. He's not doing what I would do, which is just taking the the chip. And writing on it with marker pen, changing the three to a two, so you've now got an eighty nine twelve. Flip it on eBay. Yeah, could do. That's basically as good as the chips I bought were for the Vectrex. They just didn't work at all. They didn't even. There wasn't even like no sound or no controls on there. It just wouldn't allow the Vectrex to boot at all. So it was probably either a blank chip or another kind of chip just remarked. That's exactly what it was. And you find a lot of that mm. when you get these these counterfeit chips. They're rubbish. What you could do. This is the last silly thing I'm going to say on a podcast, or maybe not. Are you sure? You could, not really. You could get a, that chip that doesn't work, that looks a bit like a weird spider. You could put some googly eyes on him and turn him into kind of a, a, a creature and, and name him. Do you know what? That, that, is, that is possibly a very, very stupid thing to do. But I'm just going to lift my computer up, which I'm talking to you on now, and let you see my PVM monitor. You know, my monitor I use for my most of consoles and stuff. Oh, here we go. Let me just show this. Case. Wimey monitor. Can you see that? Oh yeah, <laughs> googly eyes. Yeah, there you go. My Trinitron, Sony PVM Trinitron's got googly eyes on it. Oh, guess what else I've worked out to do lately? You know, I had a lot of trouble with my Pi 4. We were we were talking about Pi 4s the last time we podcasted, and you got yours running on MAME and sort of emulators and got some really good results out of it. Yeah. Well, I had a go on my Pi 4, and I was moaning, and I couldn't get um, the SSH to work, where you... You dial into the Pi from another computer via wireless, and you can put ROMs and files on there really easily. Mm. I worked out how to do it. Uh, what it is, is in RetroPie, which is the, the front end for all those emulators, there is actually a, a little switch you can turn on, software switch, to turn on SSH, which I didn't that have on. It. That was it. And you didn't God. tell me that. It's your fault, Holly. I didn't know that. You must I have just... known because you've SSH into yours. No, I don't. I'll just take the card, the little micro SD card out of the Raspberry Pi. And oh, put you it use in a Linux, Linux computer, don't you? Put it in my Linux machine. It's dead easy. You just copy stuff over, rename stuff. Yeah, yeah, SSH is really easy. It's just like a file browser. You just drag stuff in there. It's really simple. I feel all right, Charlie, now. But I've had a good go on that Pi 4 now. And another thing I did is I, I filled up a, or nearly filled up a 64 gig card for our friend Ben Vip. And because mm-hmm. he was having trouble with his, and I put the RetroPie in it for him, I put a load of emulators on there and a load of main ROMs for that, that system and uh, give it to him the other day. So I've, I've had a good go of it now, and I'll fill in mine up with just console stuff because I don't want, I don't really want to use it as a, a main emulator because I've got them already. Mm. So yeah, really pleased with that now. It's the Pi 4, to be honest with you, the Pi 3 and the Pi 4, I've not seen any difference in speed because. The games I run on there are easily run on a Pi anyway. They probably run a Pi Zero, a lot of them. Did you notice no screen tearing, though? Because you were getting screen tearing still, weren't you? I was, because I've only used it on a LCD curved monitor. I haven't put it on um, an arcade machine yet or a PVM or anything. But I will persevere with that a little bit. I was getting screen tear on some of the games, because the one that really shows up is Pac-Mania. When you scroll downwards, it, it really you can see it jerking really badly if you've got screen tear. Yeah, so I sent you that video of Pac-Man. You're on mine, didn't I? Mine's a Samsung LCD. don't know what it is, really. It's a, a letterbox kind of design, so it must be a bit more modern. But it's, yeah, no screen tearing. 
I don't know. I'll persevere with it. I mean, I'll, I'll put it away mm. now, but I'll have a go of it later on. But it's yeah, it seems to be working quite nicely anyway. Especially for well, a good thing about it is you can probably run the P- PlayStation and N sixty four and probably even Dreamcast emulation on it now as well. You can, I think, you have to overclock them a bit, which I'm not really bothered about them. I, I, I think I sort of I like eight and sixteen bit, and I've not really got yeah, same here. Past that, past that, really. Another thing I did for VIP as well is like he sent me his PlayStation Classic, you know, little mini ones that came out a little while ago, and mm. I I soft modded it for him there and put some ROMs on there for him. And I was playing a few games. I really, really still like Tony Hawk's skateboard in the first one. Absolutely mm. brilliant. It's just a great game to pick up and play and just leave. It's great. But I noticed how bad the PlayStation graphics are. They're really yeah. murky and jaggedy. And you sort of look at it closely. Oh, my God. This is oh, it's just a mess. A lot of the games are messy. Haven't aged well, have they? But what they did do, and it was the same as like the N64 at the time, and like even the Saturn, going back as far as the Saturn, is they they did two D and two and a half D really well because the mm. Klonoa on the on the PlayStation is an absolutely fantastic game and stuff like Mister Driller is really good on there as well. It's really good for that older stuff, but I mean they they sort of pushed it too far, I think. It's just got. Mer- I put Tomb Raider on for a second and I couldn't even see what was going on. It's so jerky playing it and and jaggedy and just ugh, didn't like it. It's only a 33 megahertz processor in that. It's not fast at all, is it really? No, not definitely not. It was just it was sort of a step up from the SNES, really, I suppose. Because mm. the SNES could do 3D stuff with that extra chip in it. You know, you could play Doom and, and Star Fox and that sort of thing, but not great. Yeah, I, 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 was, I got that Star Fox when it came out. I was amazed by it. I loved it. Yeah, I never really got into that one. Uh, another thing we found out lately is John Studley, our friend, our Pac-Man expert friend, uh, Five years after his first live perfect Pac-Man game, he achieved another one on Twitch TV after six hours and 40 minutes of playing. And John thanks everyone who watched and supported along the way. Uh, And this is a happy 40th birthday to the one and only Pac-Man. Did it again. Yeah, I think him and... Oh, we're not mentioning him anymore. No. I've kind of been streaming side by side, yeah. Twitch is good, really. Twitch is good. Yeah, it's very good for that sort of stuff. Anything you got lately? Oh, I've got a 500 gigabyte SSD for my old seven-year-old laptop. Well, that is a massive oh. SSD, isn't it? Yeah, it's brilliant. It's, it's only like 60 quid. It's a bargain. Wow. So I put it in, put it in, and it's, it's ten, it starts 10 times quicker. It's a lot quicker. It's not as quick as the little onboard solid-state drives you get. They look like a bit like a... Oh, a chicken, stick of chewing gum. They're tiny, yeah. aren't they? I yeah, saw those the other day. 10 cause... times faster again, they are. I... I've been messing around with computers lately because I need to run some software on, on the Windows, my only Windows computer for work. And I bought a new graphics card, but it wasn't what I thought it was. And I looked into my graphics card in this computer and I realised the computer I've got here I got from work because they, they were getting rid of this and upgrading the, the CAD one at work. And it's actually an i7 with 16 gig of memory and a 1 gig graphics card. So it's actually quite a high computer well, for me anyway, I'm not really into computers that much. I was messing around inside and looking inside to see what bits it can take. And because it t- it's a modern modern motherboard, it can take those little tiny SSD drives. And I saw some in CX the other day, and they're just weeny. Really, really mm. they're sort of like about four inches long and about an inch wide. They're tiny little silly things. You wouldn't believe you'd get 500 gigabytes on that. It's madness. What about the little tiny micro SD cards? They're up to a terabyte now, aren't they? Something stupid. Oh, my Lord. In a tiny little thing. 
Uh, yeah. Also, I've got Manjaro back. I put Manjaro back. Manjaro. On the one of me that would be very old knackered up laptop, and I've been looking at Linux commands. I'm getting with this extra time I have. I'm looking at Bash, which is the Linux command line that most most Linux distributions use, mm-hmm. and uh, just getting into the commands and how everything works. And I'm, I'm understanding a lot more about it. It's, it's very it's fascinating to me, really. Um, Macs have got Bash. They've had it for years. Same sort of thing, you know, little. Um command line, line kind of thing yeah it's, it's very because yeah. macs are run on uh, a unix variant anyway it's very similar yeah yes some of the commands <laughs> they're very obscure named commands and you wouldn't get what they mean but once you learn once you learn what they do then it's easy yeah that's the thing with linux is there must be so many commands i don't know because the only other thing i ever really did was command line was basic from years and years ago, mm. and, and a bit of DOS stuff as well, which is quite easy to work with because it's not that that many commands to make little scripts in DOS, which I used to do quite easily. But with the Linux and stuff, I haven't got a clue. Wouldn't even, wouldn't even try because with Linux as well, it's all case sensitive as well, isn't it? So you've got upper and lower case stuff. And, yeah. Oh, no, yeah. not not for me, thank you. Not for me because it's evolved over the years. It's mm. it still supports all the old legacy commands, you know. Right. And you look you're looking. There's always there's always help files. You just type man for manual space and then the, then the command that gives you help file and it says this has been superseded by this 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 and this and all these old legacy commands still work i'm still confused but, yeah you don't need to know all that lot no what oh, else you got oh, 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 i just got some type of yeah i got some cool face masks from your very own mrs tenpence me and wife got some Ooh. guess what mine's got on it vic uh, i can't remember which one did you get which two oh, did you space get? In, space Invaders on mine. What, the colourful one or the black and white one? Because she's got two different types now. Black and white. Uh, nice. I, I didn't see the colourful one. I think she just ordered some material after she got your one, but she's already loaded materials lately. And if I just glance to my right, I can see tons of them. I can see one with bats on it, one with Scullingtons on it, one with Mario Brothers. She's doing them all, all over the place. And if you want one, they're £7.50. Get in contact with her, and there's a link on the show notes. And she's Tori Docky. At Tori Doki, T O R I D O K I, on Twitters. If you want to get a face mask, seven pound fifty delivered in the UK. Nice, yeah, very quite, good, quite really nice. good quality. They're lovely. What have you been up to, Vic? Well, one thing I was sent recently. I, I had a, I sent an email to Chris, who's at um, Numskull Games, and I was just you know saying how are you doing, how's getting on with you know lockdown and how's work going with the Numskull stuff, and they're still pushing on ahead with their new machines and stuff. I think the last one they released we spoke about was Bubble Bobble. And he sent me a nice picture with with a little arcade setup with all the machines in it of the Dig Dug. Behold, it is lovely. I'm going to put this picture on the show notes. And it is really nice. And also, in the middle of that, before that, they released their 40th anniversary Pac-Man, which I think was limited to about 500. And I think some of them were actually signed by uh, Toro Iwata. 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 I can't remember his name now. Sorry, but the creator of Pac-Man, anyway. And the 40th anniversary ones are really nice looking. They're really lovely. Oh, that's cool. I've been having a massive ball ache with Ooh, a, thing called, a thing called an Atari Vox. Do you know what an Atari Vox is? No, I don't. Atari Vox is a little unit that goes into a second control port of uh, an Atari... 2600 or a 7800 or a Vectrex, and it is a speech synthesis chip. 
It uses a thing called a speak jet chip inside. So I bought one of these. I actually bought three of them. I bought one for me, uh, one for Chris CMP, and one for Alex. They paid me, and I bought the three from Atari Age and paid the, the shipping fees and everything. We all sort of went three ways on it. And I got them in, and I plugged it in. You have to plug them in essentially because obviously the Vectra's got weird ports on it. And you've got three different settings. You've got, you've got Atari Vox, which is for the Atari 2600 and the 7800, which I don't need to use. And you've got the Vec Voice and the Vec Vox. There's two, two different modes. And one of the mm. games that uh, Malban, who's an expert programmer on, on the Vectrex, has, has modified is the Vectrex version of Berserk. And he's called it Ultimate Berserk because he's changed like parts of the game, like the, the speed of the firing and the way the enemies move and stuff. So it resembles more like the arcade version. And it's also added mm. in speech, which is really, really cool. It's re- the speak jet is a really robotic voice. It's like an early speech chip. But for some mm. reason, this thing wouldn't work. It just kept making like weird nonsense noises and juddering and making weird stuff. But when you turn, when you plug the thing in and turn it on, it actually speaks to you. Uh, Atari voice, whatever, Vec, Vec voice activated. So you know it's in the right mode, but it wasn't working properly. And I was going backwards and forwards with uh, Richard Hutchinson, who's a really nice guy who invented the thing, who actually you know created it in an Atari age, make them. And he was talking to me about it, and he said, so I sent them to him. He kindly accepted them to have a look at them, and he plugged them in, and he said, no, they work fine. I think you had it on the wrong mode. I said, no, I didn't have it on the wrong mode. I know what mode it is, because in, in the instructions, it was a bit, a bit messed up in the instructions. The instructions were wrong. But I knew which mode it was in. It wouldn't work. And he said, well, that's weird. And I, I actually sent a video to him with it not working, and I had all three of my Vectrex out. And the third one, which is the one I got recently from France, I fixed. Mm. The thing worked on it perfectly. I was like, what is going on here? And the only difference between that is that, as we were talking about earlier, has an adapted 8910 in it. So it's the actual right. speech, this actual sound chip in the Vectrex was affecting the Atari voice, the Atari Vox somehow. I don't know how. And I put that same chip in another Vectrex of mine, and that worked. So it looked like the 8912s were affecting it. So whether they're on the way out or something, or there's a problem with the Atari Vox, we don't know. But it's been a massive ball like, trying to get that working. And another friend of ours, Phil Eaton, has been having problems with his one as well. So there's something going on with them. We're trying to work out. And I think Richard Hutchinson has actually bought, got one from Atari Age himself, and he's going to test it out, because he obviously knows the ins and outs because he designed the damn thing. So hopefully I'll have, room, oh. I'll have some news on that by the next time we speak. I hope it's all working by then. Be nice if you solve it for the community, won't it? It wouldn't be me solving it, but I've sort of highlighted the, the problems with it. But yeah, hopefully he will he will sort it out. Yeah, and it'll get sorted. Another pickup I made. Um, I bought Duke Nukem on Switch. Did you play Duke Nukem on the old PCs back in the day? Not a lot. I think I played the demo, and that was it. You know, there was was there a demo? Yeah, there was. It was public domain back then. It's like Doom. You get the first eight levels of Doom free. And then you had to pay for the mm. rest of it. And I think it was the same with, with Duke Nukem. And I used to like it on the old computers from back in the day. But it was obviously really chunky and limited. And it was on like the 32-bit computers. And it's on the Switch. And it's absolutely god-awful. Ooh, that's gotta hurt. <laughs> I played the PS3 version for a bit, which wasn't very good. Did they update it? Update the graphics and everything? Yeah, there was bits where you turned into a little tiny Duke Nukem and you go, you go on in a little car underneath chairs and stuff. And uh, yeah. I, don't, 
I struggled through about three quarters of it and thought, nah, I can't be bothered. Well, it was all right. This Duke Nukem on the Switch, they haven't done anything to it. They've left it chunky, horrible. It's just a mess. And, you know, with 3D graphics, they, they make a 3D model. And it's obviously when you turn it around, you can see the back of it. With the monsters and everything, they're not. When you go up close to them and move to the side, it looks like they're made of paper. Yeah. Because they're 2D still. It, it's just god awful horrible game and it was it was only four quid so i'm not too worried but the thing that really bothers me is the doom 64 remake which was done on the switch which was also four quid was absolutely brilliant and i went through the whole game and loved it absolutely Mm. brilliant because they'd updated the graphics and i think they'd done a few things to the to the levels and stuff and they just made it really nice game but june is absolutely horrible do not buy it if you've got Memories of playing it on a PC. Just play it on a PC in DOSBox. Don't don't buy this on the Switch. It's rubbish. It's not the same company, is it? That did no, no, definitely Doom's, not. No, no, Doom. 64, well, Doom, though. Doom, I think was owned by Activision then, because it was obviously id, id software to begin with, and, and Duke Nukem was sort of like a rival to to Doom back in the day, because it was the same kind of you know three first third mm. first person game. Talking of other games on the Switch, I have also got Mr. Driller Drill Land on the Switch. Uh, it's a GameCube remake. There's a lot of these remakes coming out lately. And it's the first time it's ever had a proper English release. And it is absolutely fantastic. I've been gushing over this game ever since we got it. It's so good. You know how well at Mr. Driller. <laughs> Mr. Driller's a very simple game. You're a little cute guy, or you can choose a girl or another guy or a robot or a dog or whatever on some of the games. And you, you drill these little blocks. You drill down, you can drill sideways and upwards, and you, you try not to let the blocks squash and you just keep going as deep as you can. That's the main arcade game, which we're, we're used to. We've done one on the, on the, on the podcast. But with this one, mm. they've added... It's like a world, and you do different variants of the game. So one, one of the levels, you're in space... And you get special blocks which do special things and all this sort of stuff. And there's another one which is a horror one where you're sort of in a horror land. And you've got to, you've got, you've got to yeah. get these... Go- it's really clever how they've done it. They've sort of adapted the game but kept the spirit of the game and the mechanics of the game but just done like five different games. And it's just brilliant. And you go around the different bits doing it. And I've actually completed the game once and it, you, you do it again, loop it at a higher level. And I can't do any of the higher level ones, the second level. But Wife's done two, because she's playing it as well. And it is such a good game. The music in it is absolutely beautifully orchestrated music. This is a game that if I can get the soundtrack to, I'd probably listen to it at work. It's that good. God. I mean, there, there's like Japanese kids speaking in it, like you know, singing in it, like singing kids songs when you're playing the game. There's orchestral stuff, there's violins, there's like ancient Japanese music going on. It's absolutely brilliant. And that was only, I think, £15 download. It is it's so good. I might even buy it on physical if, it, if it's on physical, just to have a copy of it. Because it's just, it's so good. The graphics are brilliant in it. They're really simple, they're really colourful. The story's mad because it's adapted from Japanese stuff. And it's, it's just brilliant, mate. It's so good. And I don't think it's on anything else because it's, um, well, actually it's, it may have come out of because it's Namco, isn't it? It's not like I was thinking it was Nintendo, but it's Namco. So maybe it is on other consoles as well. I hope so, because people deserve to play this game. It's absolutely brilliant. Mm, so I'm nice. not re- if, if I'm not so keen on Mr. Driller, would this tempt me to get it? It's a very simple game to play. Anyone can play it. It's a pick-up-and-play game. You'd have to spend hours on it. So it might tempt you to play Mr. Driller more, because what some of the games... 
the different versions I find quite easy. Whereas Mr. Driller does get hard as you go deeper because it obviously gets a bit harder and it's harder to find the air pods and this sort of stuff. But yeah, I think if you if you're a casual player of Mr. Driller, you would like this as well. I love it. Mm. I just, I really love it. I'm gushing over it still. It's brilliant. I didn't hate it when we played it. I wasn't really enamoured with it though, mm. Mr. Driller. And talking of Mr. Driller, you know, for about a year now, I've been trying to make a Mr. Driller sub-electro ISIS cabinet, which is a little cabaret cabinet. Yeah. It's been in my front room for ages, and I haven't done anything. I've had no motivation to do it. It's been a pain in the backside, because I keep looking at it and think, I must do that, I must do that. Because it's got... Some of the things I've got to do on it are really, really mundane, boring things. I've got to... Well, the, the worst one, and the most messiest and, and painful one to do is the T-moulding that's on it. I've just got some black T-moulding on it, very simple T-moulding that came with it. But on these old cabinets, Sub-Electro, the, the makers of it, used thicker T-moulding. So the tang in the middle, which goes in the slot, that holds it in there, is thicker. So when you take it out and put some normal T-moulding in, it just falls out because it's not the barb inside isn't holding onto it properly. So yeah, what I've done know. is I've filled it all up with no-nails glue and let it go hard. And what I'm going to do is reroute it with a routing bit so it's obviously a thin, a thinner slot, and hopefully the T-mold. I've got pink, bright pink T-molding for it. Hopefully that will fit in there. But as well as that, I've also I managed to test a, a SCART TV I've had for a while now, a 14-inch SCART TV, because the monitor in the ISIS cap is really badly burnt. And because it's such a colourful, bright game, you can see the burn really badly, and it sort of makes the, the, the monitor look really washed out. I think if that was a space game with black backgrounds... You wouldn't notice it so much. No, it'd be fine. Right, yeah, it'd yeah. be okay. So I'll probably use it for something else. Because the monitor is actually not a bad pitch. It's just a tube lets it down. But I've got a SCART TV I've had for a while, which I got for like five quid off of eBay or you know one of those free cycle things. I don't know where it was. I got it. And I tested it out just with a super gun. And it's an absolutely beautiful picture. And I've already mounted it in the, in the machine. I've just got to make a shelf to sit the chassis on because it's a TV chassis. It doesn't attach to the, to the tube like a normal arcade one is and i'm going to use that in there i think that game deserves a nice bright monitor because it's so colorful and i've been i've, I've already made the control panel overlay graphics for i need ollie to uh, arcade art shop to um print it out for me i'm gonna make a bezel for it and obviously a marquee as well but there's if i sort of pull my finger out over the next few weeks i should have it done because it's not that much to do now there's a little bit of woodworking to do on it still and it's a bit of done and mount the light in the marquee and just stuff like that. It's little bits and bobs and it'll be ready. I've got three driller games. I've got Mr. Driller 1, Mr. Driller 2, and Mr. Driller G. So I can just move the, the jammer connector between the three. And I've also got a Neo Geo 1 slot in there with Puzzle Bobble in it. And I think I've got Joy Joy right. Kid or Puzzle. So it's, it can it, it can be like a puzzle-y sort of machine, just one-button games, four, four-way controller, one button. And it's going to be really nice when I get it done. But I've actually pulled my finger out now and got off my backside and started doing things on it and I keep on with it now because it's, it's looking good I think it's going to be really nice it'd be nice to take that little one to shows when I take my Cuba and the uh, Bosconian with me as well so how are you going to do that with the RGB on the TV then? it's SCART you can just you can just wire from a jammer to SCART because SCART is RGB as well alright you just go what from the jammer pins to a SCART yeah yeah you just got to adapt it, with huh? it. You, know, you, can, you can get an old SCART lead chop one end of it off, find the wires, RGB. I think you may need to use a resistor on each one. I can't remember. So it's just RGB, sync and ground. It's very easy to do. Oh, that's clever. Yeah, it's easy. Because basically a SCART TV is almost an arcade monitor. Mm. You know, it's the same kind of thing. 
I thought you needed more connections for your minus five and everything. Do you not? Not on the monitor, no. All all the monitor is red, green, and blue, sync, and ground. That's it. Oh, right, yeah. yeah I think you... you're thinking of the power on the board, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, and the controls. Sean is wiggling yeah. his fingers now. That's his international sign of, I don't know what I'm on about. Oh, move on. No, you move on. I'm moving on. Keep on moving on. Ooh. Move on. It's sounds like move on. Hit the drum again. What's your opinion of <laughs> the Evergate? Very nicely segued, sir. It's good that wasn't it. The Evergate Evercade handheld console. I've been following it. It's not for me. So it's a bit too small, but I, lo- I really like the idea of it with you, the actual physical carts that you put in, proper boxes and user manuals. And you like collecting stuff, don't you? But is this mm. something that you would collect? Well, I don't collect really, to be honest. I like buying stuff, but um, I don't really. I don't have shelves and shelves full of you know boxed games you, and boxed consoles. You get little mini arcades, don't you? A little mini. mini I sort of stopped doing it now because I've got too many of the damn things. I think there was a few more been released. I don't really bother because you got them from America as well. Those ones. Mm. But the Evercade is. I signed up to their newsletter age and I get their their things through, and I've got mixed feelings about it. Mm-hmm. I, I like the product. It looks really nice. Uh, especially the black one. There's a black and red version. I think the normal, standard ones are white and red, yeah. and the, the special ones are red and black, and it looks lovely. It's a really nice bit of kit. It looks really nicely built. The controls look nice. They're nicely positioned. The buttons look good. The screen's nice and bright. I think universally, everyone who's got one loves it. They absolutely mm-hmm. love it. But with me, I've got a lot of handhelds. I've got a proper Game Boy. I've got a Game Boy Pocket. I've got a 2DS. I've got an Odroid. I've got a, a Pi game. Uh, is, is it a game flag? Pi case GPI. I've got one of those with main with mm. um, retro Pi and lots of emulators. I've got the Neo Geo Mini. I've got I've got I've got lots of systems that does exactly the same as what this thing does. But as you said, they are actually getting programmers and software houses to make physical cartridges for it or do the code for physical cartridges. So you actually take the cartridge out the back. And you put a new one in, and you've got games on it. It's not you don't download. I think I don't think you can download games onto it. Not like a you know an SD mm-hmm. card or a Pi or anything like that. I think you've actually got to use the cartridges. I don't think there's anything built in, as far as I know. So you've got to buy the cartridges. Decent prices as well. They're, they're not like rip off prices of like fifteen pound or fifteen dollars or something. Yeah, which is is really attractive, and I, I I'm all for it. I really really like it. But like you, it's not really for me. But I think the collectors and and the you know the enthusiasts are really getting into it, and and everyone I've seen on Twitter and Facebook and different areas really like it. I don't think anyone's got a bad word to say about it. And saying that, I've just remembered one little thing that some users are having a problem with is the cartridge slot is a little bit tight on some games or some versions of the machine is slightly tight, and that's it. It's a tiny little thing. Right. I presume, you know, when you've put a cartridge in and out a few times, it just loosens itself up anyway. Just wear it off a little bit. But yeah, mm. it's a really nice little thing. And I like the fact that they're getting decent software houses to release games. I think there's some Atari games, some Namco games. Um, Namco Museum, as ever. Namco yeah, Museum. As usual. One but, but that's good to play on the run, isn't it? Little games like that on the run. And I've also yeah. found, I think, that the Oliver Twins are releasing a bunch of dis- Dizzy games. I absolutely hate the Dizzy games, but I know a lot of people love them, and it's really nice that they're putting their games onto this machine as well. 
really good. Mm. I love it. Yeah, yeah. You compare that with like the Atari VCS machine. Uh It's really struggling in the media, isn't it? It's like... Do you know why it's struggling? Because it looks like a doormat. $389. Is that how much they want for it? Something like that. It's got eight, eight gig of onboard RAM. That's all it's got. Eight oh. gig, no, eight gig of storage. Sorry, not RAM. Right, that's nothing, is it? Something my my like switch that, has yeah. got 128 because I put a, an SD card in it. I'm not sure even how. I think it's got 32 on board. You know, you get mm. with it, and I put 128 in it, and that's just for downloaded stuff, as well as the carts. Yeah. You actually put the games on, you know, the proper physical carts as well. But that that VCS, they you know put pictures out of it, and everyone is universally mocking it because it was a joke to begin with. The Atari is just a shadow of its former self. It's not the Atari we know and love from the 70s. Yeah, it it doesn't know. It's like it could be an Atari machine. It should have. I think it just should have stayed with Atari Classics. They're trying to make it into a Linux machine, a media center. Then you've got PS Five and Xbox Series X coming out. Not interested. Probably, probably similar price, a bit more, I would think. But that's this is not going to compete to them. But the, the I feel, feel sorry for it, actually in the end. Well, I don't really because they they ripped a lot of people off, haven't they? I think they took money know. for the thing and they weren't telling people what it was. And, and people who were mad Atari people were just putting their money for it and then not really getting much out of it. And it yeah, does look... So. They've called it the VCS and they've tried to make it look a little bit like the old you know, the old Darth Vader machine, the 2600s, with those sort of grills. And it looks like a doormat. It looks like something you'd wipe your feet on because it's got those little sort of slots in it. And it's just it's pointless. <laughs> Nobody really knows what it does. And they say it's going to do this and it's going to do that and... But nothing you can't do on a laptop or a Raspberry Pi or anything else, really. So why would you buy that yeah. one? Why would you buy that one? But the PS5 and the Xbox Series X, the new consoles, I have no interest in. There's absolutely zero interest in them. It'd be like playing a film. That's what they look like nowadays. The graphics are so detailed, it looks like you're watching a film. Yeah, they are very, very good, and it's... I don't know, it's just the evolution of games, isn't it? The people want better graphics, huger and huger expansive worlds that Yeah, but sometimes if, you know, if you're just if you're an much. adult working, when have you got time to play it? If you've got a family, if you've got a wife, you've got things to do, mm. whatever, you know, husband, whatever. You you've got you won't have time to play a thousand hours of a game which requires you to play it forever. So, yeah. you know, I know, I know that for certain people, but really not for us. Not for us. Some of them I like. Some of them I do like. Like, I've played Borderlands 2. is a big sandbox game, and I've played that to death. And yeah, but you can dip I've, in and out of that, can't you? Yeah, you can. Yeah, you can do one mission and go away for a few weeks. I've not played it for a while now. Mm. Oh, I, I did get another pickup. This is my most recent pickup. You know, a while back, I ordered a jammer adapter for a thing called a ZX Uno. The adapter came yes. months and months ago. Bought it from a guy in Spain, a really good guy called Antonio in Spain. And it came, and I tried to buy the bit that goes onto it, which is an FPGA. It's rather like a Mister, but it's like a Mister very, very light. It doesn't do anywhere near as much as the Mister does, which is the, the fantastic FPGA thing. And I bought one from a company in Spain called uh, Amiga EU Store, Amiga Store EU, and they said to me. This is the old one. We have the new one in stock. Do you want that? Shall we send you that? I said, no, no. I want the old one. I need it for a special reason. Obviously, to fit this thing to it, so I'm using it in a jammer cab. Okay. And then about a month went by, and there was no 
no emails from them, nothing, and I had to sort of really struggle to find out what was going on with it. And um, it eventually found out. I went onto Twitter and said, "Look, where's, what's going on?" And they said, "Oh, we're really sorry. We haven't had any emails from you, which was a lie. I'd sent loads of them, and yeah, you know, we haven't got that one. In. We can't get it in stock. We've only got the new one." I said, "Well." I want money back then. So they did, they did refund me quite quickly when I found out. And I got back in contact with Antonio and said, look, do you know where I can get one of these 4.1s from, which is the older version? He said, well, I've actually got one left. Do you want it? I went, yes, please. Thank you. And because of the COVIDs going on, Spain has had real trouble with its post. And I was tracking the parcel for over a month and it hadn't turned up and it's still in Spain. The last time I looked, still in Spain. I was like, for goodness sake. And I sent him a message saying, look, what's going on? He said, I really can't help you. I don't know. You know, it's been sent. I've got tracking details, whatever. He, you know, he's obviously sent it. I really can't help. He said, if it, if by the end of July it hasn't turned up, we'll say it's lost and I'll refund you. And then yesterday it turned up at work. Right. And I've got it home. And the Mr. Idod, the lovely, gorgeous, smooth-headed, <laughs> bespectacled fellow that he is, has been helping me out because he's got the next version up and basically it's called a zx uno because it it predominantly is an fpga spectrum that's what it's really for but on board the one i've got it gives you about 20 different cores so it can be a spectrum a bbcb an apple II, um, and lots of other computers and it's also got some arcade cores on it which is the bit i'm interested in and it's got like I think Pac-Man and Galaxian and Galaga and uh, Donkey Kong and some other wonderful old games on it, but there is actually about a hundred cores available for it, which is really really cool. So it's it's like a Mister. You you get the cores, you load them on there, and it behaves. It emulates the hardware of the original games, and it's absolutely brilliant. So I tried it on the PVM. I just you got you got to use a really old PS2 keyboard. You know the old fashioned purple. Yeah, ended yeah, keyboard you can't yeah, use the usb you've got to use that one so i got one from work plugged it on in and it takes two seconds to change the cores on it's really easy mr edod showed me through the whole thing really really good and i mean i was playing just before we recorded that i put donkey kong on there and it's good it's really good and when i played berserk i noticed the sound sounded quite a lot different to main it sounded just there was just different bits to it it sounded more raw like you sort of remember yeah. the arcade I'm not sure it's the speaker I was using or whatever, but I've got an FPGA Berserk in one of my cabs, which is the Berserk BZ, BZF board. And that mm-hmm. sounds different to it as well. So I'm not sure which one's emulated better. I'm not sure. Because they're still working on the on the, the ZX Uno ones. But I'm really impressed so far. I'm going to try some of the other cores out on it, and I'm really impressed. So it's 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 one more step towards me getting a mister. And I, get, yeah. <laughs> I didn't want to get one. I really don't want to get one. I can afford it, and and my wallet is going, ah, go on, ah, go on. Why don't you go on and get a mister? Go on, get get. you can have it. Go, go on, on, have it. Go on, why don't you have a mister? Go on, you'd love it. Go on, why don't you know? Go, go on, treat yourself. I'm going, no, 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 no. But the next podcast, <laughs> I'll be saying, guess what I've got, Sean? <laughs> I know I will. Two of them. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm not getting two. Or three. Or four. Uh, yeah, so the next time... I'll probably have a Mr. Nomi because I, I do like this thing so far. It's very simple. It's tiny as well. It's really small. Um, and I was just interested in playing the little, the sort of the 8 bit games, the older games on it. But yeah. I, I follow the main guy who's working on the development and, and the, the supply of Mr., the guy called Smoke Monster on Twitter. 
And they, they've just... I think they're in the middle of, of doing the cores for cave games. And that is really impressive because that's quite a modern arcade game for our, our standards. And it's doing really, really well. So it's getting close to me getting one, mate. Getting close to me getting one. <laughs> uh, one other thing I noticed in the news, just today I think this dropped... Uh, it's yeah, the it Sega Astro City Mini Arcade. It looks like an Astro City Arcade cab, a candy cab, but the same kind of size as the Neo Geo Mini I got recently. And yeah, it looks similar, doesn't it? Because it's got it looks like a chopped, a chopped yeah. Astro, Astro City, doesn't it? Without the bottom bit, without the bottom bit, and it is, I think, gorgeous. I really like yeah, it. Yeah, it's all right. But I think uh, I think our friend Tagster put on there. Oh, when this thing gets hacked, it's going to be really good. And I said, when it gets hacked, it'll be exactly the same as all the other machines, but it just looks nicer. Because on mm. that on that Neo Geo Mini, I've got when I when I soft modded it, and also the PlayStation Classic and the SNES Classic and the NES Classic, I think they've got almost the same mini computer inside them. Because it runs RetroPie on all of them. They, they can all run lots of different emulation and lots of different versions of games and, and systems. And I think this thing will be exactly the same again. And when people hack it, they'll be able to play SNES games on it and PlayStation games on it and arcade games and all sorts. It's the same with all these mini ones. They just seem to put emulators on. They just hack them really quick, emulators on there, and all exactly the same. But this one looks really nice. I like the look of it. And it's got six buttons as well, I presume, for some fighting games. Don't that sometimes ruin it, though? You know, you've got this. If this has Can 36 do. games, you'd really get to know them 36. Mm. It's, like, it's, it's like the old thing we always say if you if you load up MAME with like 10,000 ROMs, you spend hours just scrolling through what to play. But these kind of things limit, if you don't hack them, they limit what you can play, and it's probably better sometimes. Preach, sister. Yeah. That is absolutely word. true. That Neo Geo I've got, which uh, John Singletary sorted me out from America, it's got about, I think, 40 games on it. And some of them are good. There's a lot of King of Fighters, which is a poor choice. It's just like 10 King of Fighters. Three would have been more than enough. But what I wanted to do with my one is put just all the Neo Geo games on it, and that's it. It can run lots of other games. I think it runs Final Burn Alpha, so it can play lots of you know Capcom games and stuff. I didn't want that. I just wanted the Neo Geo games on there. That's all I wanted. So I can just pick any Neo Geo game I want, and you know it'd be brilliant like that. And I'm still thinking I'm going to make that into a handheld. Do a do a Ben Heck on it and put a battery in it and make it into a handheld. Yeah. I'm I'm, th- I'm seriously because he's done one like that already. But what I was thinking of doing is a sort of um, a landscape one, you know, like a Game Boy Advance shape, the old original Game Boy Advance. So I'm not sure. Yeah. It, it's, it's I've got too many projects on there, mate. I've got loads to do. I've got like fifty. I think in total about fifty Vectrex joysticks to make. God, that really? is, yeah, I, go I've got, really I've got lots. I'm waiting on some buttons to come in. I've got lots of boxes. I've, I recently bought fifty boxes of different, you know, the, the the black ones, and also some for the BBCB computer. And I've also got orders on top of those, which I'm taking for next time. I'm not promising any times yet. And I've got about another twelve or fifteen orders on top of that as well. So yes, I'm very busy doing those. So I, I can't do anything else at the moment. <laughs> one last thing before the feedback and this is an important What's, thing what is this biscuit review do a little jingling with biscuit review oh, we'll do a biscuit review every month shall we well this is a new biscuit yeah. so strap in I'm going to tell you all about it this is a cherry bakewell f***ing chocolate digestive <laughs> I don't think the swear word is actually on the packet but 
These are part of a new range by McVitie's. Also, the other range includes strawberries and cream and marmalade on toast biscuits. Marmalade on toast. Ooh. I really like the cherry ones. Wife bought these for me. Um, But I feel, for some reason, they should have some jam on them. They need a bit of moisture and sticky moisture on them. Right, a bit dry. Yeah, no, they're not dry. But when you have cherry Bakewell cakes, there's always a bit of jam in, isn't there? There is. And that's what it feels like it needs. So I'm going to experiment with the next packet I buy by getting two betwixt the layer of jam and try them like that. It'd be messy, but I don't care. It's going to be good. So before I wrote all this, I went on the McVitie's website to look up the new flavours because I didn't really get what they were until I went to the supermarket. And they aren't on there for some reason. But I did find they have a caramel range as well. So you can get the Bonoffi, which can get out. I don't like banana-flavoured stuff. Uh, classic caramel, which are nice. We've got some in the kitchen right now. And also, coffee caramel. I am visually aroused. Coffee caramel. Coffee ca- Coffee-flavoured anything are gorgeous. I don't like salted caramel. I don't think I've had coffee caramel. Do you like salted caramel? No, I don't like it on anything. Oh, like no. It's okay, but it's not It's not brilliant. But coffee-flavoured stuff. Coffee cakes, cake. Crisps. Coffee cake tea, or coffee, coffee sweets. Jeans. Lovely. Coffee jeans? That's when you spill. That's when you spill it on your jeans. Everything's gone salted caramel mad. It's like avocado. They're everywhere now, aren't they? They're just greasy pears. Yeah. Greasy pears. Wait, wait, what supermarket do you get these from then? I got a feeling they might be Asda exclusive. So I went to Tesco the other day looking for them. I couldn't find them. I only had the, the standard caramel ones, so that's what I had to do for now. Talking of Asda, you know when you're social distancing in, in any supermarket and you're following the arrows or the all the all the aisles are one way, yeah. aren't they? If you're walking around an aisle and there's something like six feet into a wrong way aisle, like say a bag of these biscuits, do you nip in and get them, or do you go all the way around the other aisle and back through? No, I've got a top tip for you here. If you moonwalk oh. back where you were, people get so confused they won't notice. <laughs> That's funny. I can't moonwalk, but I'm gonna have to learn, aren't I? Sean. Yeah. Let's do the feedback. Listener feedback. First one is from Chris Doherty. Dear Mr. Victor and Mr. Sean, thanks for reading my email out on the last podcast. It was a pleasant surprise. Just a few things I thought I would share with you since it's Pac-Man's 40th birthday. First off, he who shall shall not not be mentioned. mentioned. Controversial as he is, I did a live Twitch stream, which we were talking about earlier, the other day, and managed to do a perfect Pac-Man run. Looks like he's going for the Donkey Kong record now, but I don't think he's going to get it. He's not that good. And there is a a Twitch stream here, which we should put on the show notes people look at. Uh, there's a limited run of Pac-Man-themed sake being made, apparently, by Simpuku, which will be available to buy next month, although you can pre-order now if you like sake. Full set goes for 19,000 yen, about 150 quid in, in British money. They also have a Sega 60th anniversary bottle, which looks very swish indeed. Do you like sake? I don't think I've ever had it. It's like a vodka type of thing. Yeah, it's a spirit. I, I don't drink anymore, so it doesn't really bother me. But they, the, the bottles look really lovely, really nice. He also says you should share a useless fact of the day. We like useless facts. Denture de Go, the train simulator arcade game, was popular with actual train drivers here in Japan as it gave them a chance to do train routes other than the ones they do. It's like a sort of uh, busman's holiday or a train man's holiday. Strange, strange. Uh, here's a nice one from Mr. Tagster. Congratulations on hitting podcast 150. And then you've put in brackets 
I think he's talking about Sean's age, 150. Great milestone. Looking forward to catching up on the podcast when I start working again and driving. Jeremy Riley. So great to have you both in my ears again. Although the previous guests were good, bringing a new perspective and new subject matter, expertise, and all that pinball. And the game choice were great. It feels as though the balance has been restored in the force. I'd also like to add Irem's Ninja Spirit to your list of listener picks if it's not on there already. Noted, Jeremy Riley. Noted. I like that. Do you? I, I, I nearly picked that for this show. You I, should I have like done, because I've seen your pick, and it's horrible. <laughs> he is Jimmy. He yes, certainly he is. is. He is making a rotated Q-Bert stick oh. panel from an old Pac-Man control panel. Muddy Music is doing the artwork for him. Is this just the panel, or is it for a dedicated cabinet? Get back to us, Jimmy. I think it's... I've forgotten. I think it's for a cabinet. If it is, make sure you get the Millstar FPGA board. It's absolutely brilliant. So good. And this is some proper Bobby Idod feedback. Because me and Idod talk quite a lot on Messenger, because we, we sort of you know get into projects together and stuff. And this mm. is a proper official feedback from him. He says, Can I request Pon Poco to be covered sometime? It's the Uno core that I've been playing mostly lately, which is the one I tried the other night. It's, it's funny. I've actually played it on main before. It's a funny little game. He'd never heard of it before, getting the Uno, and now need to know more. And he also says, can I just officially thank you both for the shout-outs while he was ill? The whole thing was pretty grim and depressing, and you've no idea how much it helped to take my mind off everything. So, now that everything's not only back to normal, but better than normal, uh, behold his mighty stream. <laughs> And I'm not talking about Twitch stream, kids. Uh, no. I just needed to formally thank you. You were very much appreciated. Cheers, Bobby. Talk, talking of pings and stuff. Friendly shout outs. Uh, to the Zoom quiz, guys. We have a Zoom quiz every Thursday. I don't know how many more of them Thursday nights I'm going to be able to attend sadly we'll have to see because I'm probably be working Thursday nights in the very near future but yeah it's five or six guys know who you are love you guys it's really good to chat I tried the zoom meetings but they really bug me so I couldn't do any more they, I just hate I hate zoom meetings really ah painful for me I'm so glad I, I don't have to work like that god some people have to do that for work every day Oh, it's just everyone talking on top of each other. People put a mute on. People, it sort of cancels each other when you speak and stuff. And it's not like a real conversation where you can, you sort of know when someone's going to speak, so you let them speak. And you know, but with Zoom, you sort of on top of each other. I just really dislike it. I hate it. The company was great. It's just, it's just the the technology I didn't like at all. Oh. Shout out to John Singletary. He's been giving me some updates on some very interesting arcade things coming up in America in the future which I'm not allowed to speak about at the moment, but they're good. Ooh! Uh, shout out to Mr. Martin Deadlock for his ten, updating the 10p episode guide as ever, the PDF guide, thank you. And also, he's, he's doing another little list, he's into his lists of of, uh, of the other cave we've been on about. Yes. The releases, in- isn't it? Yeah, doing a little info site on that, so that's really good. Because he's got one and he's very pleased with it as well. Yeah! Also, also, shout out to Mark X Mosquito for digitising old episodes of 90s Sky Gaming TV game. Oh, cool. TV show, Games World. Now, I don't think I've seen this, so I'm going to have a look at a couple of them. I just spoke about Mr. John Singletary a minute ago. I just looked in my uh, my WhatsApp message again. He sent me a picture the other day. He's actually got a Two Tigers cabinet. 
You know a game that Jimmy G from the the Pie Factory podcast really likes, one of his favourite games? It's Tron Hardware. I don't think I've ever played it properly. Um, But he's got a cabinet he's doing up at the moment. It looks a lovely cab. It's got two really big handlebar controllers on it, which you pull in and out to play the game. So it's like a dogfight game, isn't it? It's sort of an aeroplane dogfight game. I've never played it. Everyone seems to love it, though. Could we... Was it out of order at Galloping Ghost when we went? I think it might have been, because it's one of the ones I wanted to play, because it's it's really good in a proper arcade cab. And I know I know Trons can be modded to play it. They can be sort of... Um, I think it might be a ROM swap or something, but you've got to play it with a dial rather than the actual controllers. Mm, I think I think when I went, I remember seeing it working, and then later on in the day I thought I'd have a go of that, and one of the broke. texts was... One of the texts was pulling it out from the wall, so it must have broke. Somebody broke it. <laughs> a brummy went over there and broke it. Or oh, talking of... Well, we're not talking of Nerg, but that's just reminded me Revival. Nerg should have been on this weekend. Yeah, what a waste. Weekend, I was going to go this year as well. That really bugs me. But mm. cannot be helped, son. Cannot be helped. Oh, I've also got a shout-out for Phil Eaton. Uh, Chris CMP and Richard Hutchinson, who together and myself are trying to get to the bottom of that Atari Vox problems. Obviously, Mr. Boboid Idly Squidly for help on the ZX Uno and the electronic rat he's got for me. He's got this thing that looks like an electronic rat. Mm-hmm. He makes things now and again. He always includes me. Thank you, Bob. Very nice. Right, I'm going to give five following highly recommended recommended podcasts for Ooh. keeping me sane during the lock- lockdown. This is all I've been listening to, loads of them. I've been catching up a lot, you see. Arcade Perfect podcast, mm-hmm. Diary of an Arcade Employee, it's really good. Maximum Power Up, Pie Factory, Our Sisters Over the Pond, yep. Freedom Sisters, Fight for Your Freedom. Yay! Don't know what, I don't know what that meant. Pixel Hunt, RGDS, Retro Gaming Roundup, Retro Asylum, Retro Hour, lots of retros. Teb, Ted Dabney Experience, it's a great one. That. Game Music Guy Den, I've been backtracking through a few of Paul McCasties for the music, really great mm. music. And Atletico Mints, which oh. is not not gaming, but it's funny. It's daft, isn't it? So funny. I also must give a shout out to the Pixel Pixel Hunt guys who released the podcast I was on with them recently. I'm their first guest, and it was released not that long ago. Thanks, nuts lads. Nuts and milk. Yes, nuts and milk. Yeah, it's good. Enough. I'm up to date on them. I think now, Mr. Holly. Arcade Master Quiz. Or so you call yourself, Mr. Holly. Let's give you a quiz, mister. Pass. Are you ready for this? Ten questions. You've got as much time as you like, but don't make it boring for the listeners. (laughs) Quiz 152. Question one. What controls does Taito's field goal use? Field goal. Field goal. Is that American goal? Fo- field goal. American football. A trackball and two buttons. No, it's a dial game. It's a it's a bat and ball game, but Is it's it? themed with uh, American football. I thought I remember American football. It's a really old game. It's a good game though. Question two: What is zero time a bootleg of? Zero hour. No, it's Galaxian. Nearly yeah. everything's a boot like a Galaxian, though, isn't it? No. <laughs> How do you shut the damn music up on the game Carnival? 
You shoot something, don't you? Yes, what do you shoot? I'll keep doing it until you answer. No, you shoot. The bits in the middle? No, the pipes, no. You have to shoot the musical note in a box on the right-hand side. You shoot that and it shuts the heck up. Oh, I didn't know that. You do now. You've got zero out of three so far, Sean. You're doing, doing well. Doing well. Doing well. Question four. Who made Mad Alien? The alien is mad. Universal. Data East. Oh. Zero out of four. Question God, five. It's very hard to speak. I know, because you gave me hard ones last time. Question five. What flies out of your plane when you lose a life in Skyskipper? The man. Little man. Oh. You're so rubbish. Loads of stars. And also, Alex and Whitney both weep a little. I've hardly played it at all, to be honest. Question six. What colour is the first maze on Pac-Man Plus? (laughs) I want the exact colour. Green. Ish. Give me better than that. Lime green. No, it's a teal. I'll give you half a point for that. Give me a kind of a full point. I'm only going to get no. one point. point. Question seven. Who made the prototype game Quack? Atari. Yes. One and a half points out of seven. It's a gun game. Question Quite eight. What is the second event on track and field? Oh, I don't know this. I, I've never, <laughs> I always get, get mixed up. You got the sprint, and then you've got the. Is it pole vault? <laughs> no, that isn't even on track and field. It's a it? uh, long jump. Long jump. All yeah. Right. Question nine: Who made <laughs> Uncle Pooh? Are oh, you? We've reviewed this, and you love Hello? this game, and so do I. I do. But it's an obscure maker. Who made it? Give us a clue. It doesn't begin with F. Uh, right. That's good, thanks. For you. Uh, <laughs> All right, then. It begins with D. Go on. Diatech or something. Yes. Diatech? Correct. Diatech. Yes. Question 10. Two and a half. What colour are the monkeys on Jumping Jack? I want both colours. White? Yep. And brown? No, they're white and pink. Everyone knows pink monkeys exist. I think you scored not many out of ten. Two and three, three and a half, two out of ten. Can I get get half for the white monkey? Half point. Yeah, go on. Make it three points then total. So I got three out of ten. Do you know what that is? really hard. Poor. Very poor. (laughs) Good question, though. Next time. Yeah, I'll, I'll take you on, Holly. Wait till next time. Why are you waiting? Why are you kids? I'd have got away with you damn kids. <laughs> Get off my lawn. And since we've got a Qberty type of uh, podcast this month, let's have a word from our sponsor. Gotcha. Q-Bert's the game that you can play. If you win the most pegs, you got it made. 
pretend to be cute. Suits your mood or pretend to be slick, a tricky dude. Jump in that pyramid up and down. Uh-oh. Hit a nasty ends around. A card game sold separately, that's a fact. Those are board games, that's a wrap. Cuba, new from Parker Brothers. Have you seen the Cuba board game? No, but I'll have a look on the YouTubes in a minute. Oh, it's so good. He's it, got little things on there, and as you move it around, I think it collects them up underneath him. Rather like the Pac-Man game board game did. You had little Pac-Man, he picked up the marbles as you went round. It's quite a fun little... I didn't even know this one existed, to be honest with you. Feature game review. The game is... Cubert's Cubes. 1983, from Millstar... Not Gottlieb. Gottlieb sold the rights to Millstar, who was the sort of company that made it anyway. It's a single-screen action puzzle game. Name says, says that Millstar and Gottlieb was joint, or was kind of a, a joint thing on this on this game. But I don't That's think main, Gottlieb appears says. on the game at all. Mm. Mm. A joint venture before they went to Millstar. Well... Cubert was obviously owned by Gottlieb first, because that's the people who made the first game. And this is an extension of the first game, so we'll say both of them anyway. Mm. It's a vertical-orientated screen, as is was Cubert. It's an 8086 processor running at 5 megahertz. The sound is an M6502 and a DAC Votrax SC01, which gives that really quirky Votrax. sound and, and weird kind of speech thing going on. And it's a four-way rotated stick, just like Cubert. To be honest, it's the same hardware as Cubert. It was actually an EEPROM swap, and it disabled a knocker inside the cabinet. Because you know, with Cubert, when you fall off the platforms, or coily falls off, you make him fall off, it makes this... And it goes clunk. There's actually a, a pinball knocker inside the cabinet, and it, it, it knocks against it, makes this bouncing noise. And that's what my little ISIS cab I made for Cubert's got inside. I actually bought the, the knocker to go with it. But for some reason, they disabled the knocker. And I'm wondering why, because you can fall off the cubes, and you can also make the rat fall off the cubes. So you could have used the knocker. Maybe it was, maybe it was a, a, a copyrighted thing from Gottlieb or something. They weren't allowed to use it. I don't know. It's just weird how they did that. And on my Millstar board, which uses the knocker, when you play Cubert's Cubes on it, it doesn't use the knocker. So I'm not sure why they didn't program that in there. It would have been much better to have it in there, surely. Yeah, does he does he sort of scream when he dies? He does, doesn't he? He does, yeah, but you don't hear the knocker go off when he when he mm. falls off and hits the ground. Uh, and then when he bounces on the trampoline, it's the same uh, sample sample in reverse, isn't it? I, I, I really like these bits. I like those bits a lot. And the game, talking of sound, it sounds just like this. Hello, I'm Brendan. So it's very similar in, in vein to Cubert. Right, this is how you play. This is my little bit. You jump around on a diamond shape of 25 coloured cubes. So they match the colours of the target cube in the top left-hand corner of the screen. And because it is an isometric layout, you can see three faces of the target cube and also the cubes you're standing on. Because you're sort of looking from top right, looking down bottom left, if that's Mm. the description of it. 
it's a bit like noughts and crosses tic-tac-toe yep. and you have to make a line of the target cube colors to clear a level so up down left right horizontal whatever mm -hmm. they turn to a vector style vector style green box once you've solved them and they stick like that until mm -hmm. later on levels jumping off a cube horizontally rotates a cube left or right and jumping off vertically turns it up or down easy right no here come the clever bits vic will explain more so before we go on, this is a timed game. More of that a little later on. On the first few levels, you only have a few colours, so the six-sided cubes change back to the colour you were after, after two hops. So there's obviously three lot, two lots of three on there, so it's easy to get it back again. But later on, you get more colours per cube, and so they have to be hopped on more often to get them to the colour you want. Hopping up or down also makes the cube move in certain directions, so if you hop upwards it goes it follows you clockwise and if you hop downwards it goes anti-clockwise and vice versa around the other way mm. uh, same with left and right so the baddies in this are much more varied than in cubert you get color matched baddies too and when they land on a cube face of the same color as them they fall into the cube and disappear cosmic man so you can kill them, okay? So a brown one, you can flip the, the flip the face. Yeah. So if you if you if you sort of see a yellow one above you and you jump off and make it yellow, and he jumps onto the yellow, he falls inside it, and you, I think you get points for it, and he disappears. He's oh, he's gone. He's in I the ether, man. He's in the ether. I can't think of that. I'm, I'm just trying to survive by the time you get to the <laughs> levels. There is also a character a bit like Coily. He starts off flopping down the play screen as a purple ball and morphs into an annoying rat. But he's really easy to get rid of. If you flip a cube and he tries to land on a moving cube, if he's following you, he'll plunge to his death. He can't land on a moving cube. He falls off. Ha ha ha! Stupid idiot. <laughs> Any green characters in the game, as in Cubert, are friendly. The green ball if you touch it, freezes everything for a short time, like the original game, and it also allows you to jump on cube faces with baddies on them and it won't kill you. Land on a green turtle slows down the baddies for a short while. This is quite a handy one. The annoying little green turds from the first game are also on the later levels and jump around and the level, undoing all your work, just like the first game. And you can also have two of them on the same screen at the same time. Mm. Ooh. They can also accidentally solve them for you as well when they jump on them they can oh, turn I never noticed the... that actually that's pretty okay. good they can do that so they can actually finish a level for you I suppose if you got it in that sort of position very yeah by accident I suppose mm. yeah god they're annoying uh, if you climb with them it gets rid of them so that's just try and touch them after four screens you go up a level but before you do that you get a bonus round now the bonus round there are no baddies and you're placed on each cube you can't actually move on and off the cube you're placed on a cube and what you do is you you move your joystick to rotate the cubes around to get to the target color and you automatically get moved onto the next cube the idea is to get as many done in your time left over from the previous four screens and you'll always get 15 seconds if you've got no time left on your game when you finished it you will always get 15 seconds minimum yeah. so the quicker you do the levels the more time you have left to do the bonus screens because when i first started playing this i was trying to get as many as i could the cubes turned into the vector green cubes so when you actually do get a line you get points i think it's that you start on 150 points or 125 points for each cube you've solved so if you get like 30 uh, say 20 cubes in the level done you'll get 20 times whatever the, the point values are for the cubes. But the thing to do is to 
preserve your time for the bonus level so you've got more time to do the bonus so just get a line really quickly just get one quick line as quickly as you possibly can mm. to save time for the bonuses but later on you can't do that can you do it can you do the first level i can do the first two just i think oh, i've done the second, do second one. one i think i've done the second one once or twice not many times but the first one's easy to do you can usually do the mm. first one but as the game gets harder and you get more colors on the cubes you have to turn them more times to get them to to be the right orientation. So it does get a lot harder. So I don't think you can do what later on later on. But you do get like over a hundred seconds for some of the levels later. Because yeah, you, have you run out of time at all? I haven't. I don't know no, if you you stops. lose a level if you run. Just the timer stops. Stops at fifteen. But by that time, if you've survived that long, you don't. You've flirted with enemies anyway. Yes, indeed, you are. So each cube you solve is worth 100, then 200 on the bonus level until 2,500 for the last cube. So you get 100, 200 plus, 300 plus, 400 profit, all the way down to 2,500. So if you do, usually if you do the first bonus level and you complete it, you'll get two extra lives because your score will go up to 10,000 points. And then as you get the bonus and they, they double up, you get up to... 30,000 points, which is the next bonus life. You get two lives for doing that bonus level. So you can get five lives by the end of the first bonus level, which is usually what I do, and you need them for this game. So the, the later on levels, because after level four, you need to get two tic-tac-toes. You need to get two lines at the same time. You don't just do one line, and then you know those green things come down and knack your lines and get another line. You've got, get, you've got to have two lines completed on the screen to do the level and that's quite hard work and then green guys keep messing your your cubes up it's really and annoying like, doing that we watched charlie far in, in the zoom chat we watched him and he got up to level eight mm. and he was he, he had to get three he had to get three oh my god at the same time that's hard work yeah jeez so your tips and secrets basically are watch charlie far play it hopefully <laughs> he's done a twitch or something we can put on the show notes i'm not sure he has or not or uploaded to youtube he just shared his screen on the Zoom chat, but it's very... You've got to analyse the game very quickly and work out... Yeah, which way to turn them. As soon as you've got a pattern of way of turning it, the game is easy. But as the, the game gets more colours on the sides of the cubes, you've got to turn them so many more times to get the things around that. And I think later on you said, when you've solved it and it's turned it green, if you jump on it again, it will turn it back to being unsolved... Yeah. Oh, yeah. that get, that gets like Cuba when you get to the level where you can turn them back away from what they should be. Mm, oh, yeah. my, I, I've never gotten that far even in Cuba, and my brain wouldn't be able to solve that. I don't think. Yeah, it's and all the time while you're thinking, you've got to be dodging and, and be be quick with your reactions. And what I do like doing, it's it's very satisfying, is to make the rat fall off. That's brilliant. I love doing that. <laughs> it's so good when he just yeah you idiot and I wish the knocker made the noise it's sort of like a physical thing when he hits the ground and gets squashed it'd be much better now the graphics and sound of this because it is just an EEPROM swap for Qbert it's almost the same there's a few new graphics in there and it's some nice title page graphics as well and stuff and it also shows you if you watch the track mode it's got a really nice little track mode it shows you what to avoid what to touch what to do it's, it's quite self-explanatory because this game when I first played, I couldn't really work out what to do. If you look at it for 10 seconds, you can work out what to do. And it is very, very good. Love it. So they're super sweet and cutesy. Uh, sound is the same. A few new tunes in there. Same hardware. No surprises. But 
I do like the animation of Cuba falling off the cubes when you do a level. So what happens when you do the level? He falls off and makes that noise. Uh. And these little blue guys fly out the side of the left-hand screen on a little stretcher, and they bounce you back up to the top again. Uh. Brilliant. <laughs> and if you if you finish the level quite low down, Cubert's only got a little way to fall, so the guys run out there at 100 mile an hour and grab him and just bounce him back up to the top of the screen. I really like that. It's just really simple but really satisfying. They must be in training, them guys. They must be, you know, like them guys at Wimbledon that are on the side of the pitch and they get they, they run and catch the balls and then throw them. Ball but, girls and ball boys. Oh yeah, it must be like them. Yeah, but they're waiting by the and, wings to catch Cubert when he falls. We got you. You got your back, Cubert. Don't worry. Yeah, I've, got I've been son. looking. I've, uh, yeah, I've been looking online as well to see if these samples that we're this sounds that we're listening to Mame are just Mame borrowing sounds from Cubert. But I've I've looked at a few videos with the Milestar board, and I think I've looked at them. I don't think there are any original Cuba cubes boards on YouTube or anything. But they no. all seem to use the original Cuba sounds. I start I think because the Milestar board is that it, it's, it's got it's a separate soundboard. Yeah, it's got a separate I think separate sound or speech board. And I also know the Milstar FPJ board I've got uses samples the same as Mame to make the speech because the speech was actually made with a certain chip, which I don't think you can get anymore on the on the speech board. So the the Cubert board is about four or five boards together. It's got like a you know soundboard, graphics board, speech board, power board, that sort of stuff. Um, yeah, and it's just an EEPROM swap. It's the same hardware. But they have added some extra graphics in. I know that. Unless it's unused graphics from the first game. Not sure. Mm. The turtle and the rat are new graphics. And I think the, the different coloured baddies are new as well. But the ball... It's exactly the same as the old one, the green ball and the purple ball. And I think the green guys who knacker your, your cubes up are a different graphic as well. But they make the same noise when they're running around, that annoying noise. <laughs> Swines. Yeah, I think the I think the game's designed by somebody different. And it's in it's in the attract mode. I think the graphics are still done by Jeff Lee. Yes, they are. It was obviously a conversion kit for Qbert. Uh, but when I read about this, it came out in 1983-84. And that was about the time of the video game crash in America. So it got basically ignored, this game. But I think if it wasn't about that time, it is a really good follow-up to Cuba. And I think people would have loved it if they just had a chance to play it. But what I've seen, it looks like... I think there's only one cabinet, because the, the cabinet are... If you Google Cubert's Cube's cabinet, it seems to be the same cabinet, because the control panel has been overlaid on an original Cubert game, and you can see it poking through where there's a hole in, in the in the... The overlay. So it's sort of a pinky-themed colour, and it looks absolutely lovely. It's really nice. There's some pictures on the show notes on our website. Now, I personally think the artwork is even better than Cubert, and I love Cubert artwork. And it's so good, I am actually made, if, you, if, you've, if you've ever met me or gone to a, uh, a revival, I bring this little cab with me. I made a little cabaret Cubert game machine. And if I'd known about Cubert's Cubes and the artwork, I would have done it with those graphics because I like them more. They're that good. And I love mm. Cubert artwork. It's really, really nice. So Jeff Lee, who's the artist on Cubert, has done an absolutely fantastic job. The guy is so talented. It's really, really brilliant. It's cutesy as heck. Love it. Mm. So there is a little bit of trivia on this. So the enemy slowdown turtle is called Sheldon, of course. 
the colour match baddies are called Melt Nicks. I think it's because they melt into the colours when they land on them. Uh, mm. The rat is called Ratatat. Ratatat. And the green freeze blobs are just called green balls. Come on, Millstar. And the Oops. green idiots at Nakia Level Up are called Shoebops. Shoebops. There's two high score tables. There's Noser Elite and Supreme Nosers. And one of them, it's like the, some of the Williams games where it saves the high scores. Yes. In one high score table, then you've got the other one, which is like the best of the day or the best of however long the machine's been switched on for. Yeah. And also, Milestar spelt backwards is Rat Slime. Yeah, there's a thing about that. I, I remember listening on the Pie Factory podcast. I think they, they explained what it was. Yeah. And Mame Info says that Warren Davis said that, like he was upset with Cubert's Cubes because he didn't have nothing to do with it. But that's all hearsay. We don't know that. I don't but, know. But yeah. No. Oh, Charlie Farr reckons you max out at six extra lives. Yeah, you can't get any more than six, he says. I've got four. I've had five lives in total before, so yeah. Mm. Oh, also, this is weird. This is the first time this has ever happened. I found a bug in the game just before we recorded. I went out to the garage and put the the Cuba machine on to have a quick game of it and just to see what my score was because it saves it on there as well. And I finished a level while landing on, I think, Sheldon. I actually finished the, the level while I landed on a, a, a good guy or a bad guy. I can't remember what it was. But what happened is Cubert fell off, as usual, but he turned into part of a cube graphic. He was like a diamond. Yeah. Like a coloured diamond. He fell off, bounced on the, the trampoline bit at the bottom, and bounced up to the top, all in silence, because normally he makes, he makes his little noise, oh. all in silence... And he disappeared at the top, and about five seconds passed when nothing happened. The game froze for like five seconds, and then he came back, and the game continued. But that was a weird little bug. I've never found a bug like that that's undocumented. I think it's undocumented in a game before. So I'm quite pleased to found that. It's just by chance when you do that last little bit, something weird happens, and he doesn't do his normal animation. Was she playing on your board or on? Main I was playing or? on the Millstar FPGA board. Yeah. So I presume that's close as you can get to a proper board. If anyone has this EEPROM swap on an original Cubert game, tell me if you get it as well. But it's quite an obscure game, so maybe people haven't really got this. But if you've got an original Cubert game, I believe you can get an upgrade so you can play both games on the same board at the same time on real hardware. And if you've got a Cubert, you have to get this game. It's brilliant. It's so good. We've got some scores for the game. Let's start at the bottom, shall we? Andrew Driver got 17,860 points. Zestora got 24,785. Rob Arcade 79, 26,905. And he says, an under-the-radar gem. I love Symphony Number no. 9. Hold on. No, sorry, that's Schubert's winking face. But seriously, the Tourette's suffering. Made in Chelsea equivalent of Cyril Sneer is a great game with just one more go factor. It's another hit for me. Mm. A new player, I think, from the Sidekick app, Dingus71, 31,315. Very welcome, Dingus. Join us. Mr. Berserker, 32,200. And Rob M. Craft, 35,690. Maybe a new player. Did he play last week, last turn? Our Dunno. soul got 35,760. First stand at this. Not entirely sure I know what's going on here. All them cubes and all that. 
<laughs> Mr. Deadlock, 41,075. Getting better now I have the controls remapped. What? I did better with the keyboard, I did. I did tell him how to remap the, the controls, actually, so you can use diagonals rather than just turning a four-way joystick. Mm. Paul McCaskey, 49,570. Sal Bug, 54705. Great little game that I've never really played before. I wish I was better at it. I'll definitely keep playing this to improve my score. Wise words, Sal. Wise words. El Mipo, 62,305. Ross Ross, 62,630. You, Mr. Holly, 68,485. Could do better. I like it, but I'm not like very good at it. it. I'll tell you what I got to. Go on. I got to level three three where they the the little green guys start messing you start messing you finished you and i i've got to that i don't know five or six times but not done it level three three so my score is yes around about 60 68 four eight five yeah i can usually get 70 odd every time i play it now Exploding Pinball Junior Girl, 75,205. Good score. Mark What No Gravy, 75,380. Finally beating my up unposted score from the first session a couple of weeks ago. I think I've peaked way too early and way too low, but I am enjoying this one. Mr. Messi, he's just a big blob of messiness. 78,575. Zorro, Jeremy Riley, 84,305. Pilbo, 84,635. Who's this here? That's 80, me. That's 85,910. In your face, Holly. Oh, ratted chops. I haven't done it for ages. That's so satisfying. I like Rat, Ratted chops. One punch, Rob. Kapow, 88,305. Calling it for this one. I love Cubert, and I think I love this one just the same. I've heard of Cubert's Cubes before, but I never played it. I never felt like any of my losses were because of the game. They're all on me. We'll keep playing this. Nice pick. Mm. She's not Jimmy. Oh, is she not? No, he is Jimmy. She's not Jimmy. 99,905. That's Mrs. Mrs. He is Jimmy. Oh, good score, Mrs. Mrs. Jimmy. Just, just <laughs> slightly off 100k. GJ Harris, 103,360. Managed to break 100k. That will do for me. I've got crab hands, damn you, Cubert. Crab hand. Crab hand. Peter K. Man, Sweden, 104,765 Swedish points. I installed MAME again and had a go. This is my first 10p score in a long time. Glad to have you back, Peter. Oh, that's a good score as well. Very good score. Majok, 107,160 points. DNO, 107,295. I asked him how we got that score. He says, don't know. DNO. Don't know. <laughs> I can I can see out of my window some those dust balls just flying around. Don't know. How do you get that score, mate? Exploding pinball man, 109,830 points. Old man Steve is 112, you know. One talking of 112, is it 125,585? Okay, that's it for me. Level five and my brain is starting to melt. Level five is good. Mm. Cubert's Cubes is a good little game, and I don't know, I haven't, I didn't know of it before. The 10 Pence podcast. The 10 Peasants podcast. 10 Peasants. We'll get another eight of us, shall we? Uh, Rygar, 131,985. 
Steve Tyke, good score, 158, 370. I think anything above 100k is very, very good. Mm. Uh, Mr. Trollnads, he's been playing again because he was behind me for a long time. 148, that's where he belongs, you know. Get thee behind me. 158,445, good score, Dave. Improve my score with a bit of help from... Ah, here we go. Here we go. Improve my score with a bit of help from Charlie Fart, giving me some play techniques techniques when he was streamed some gameplay last Thursday. I don't think he did actually. What I think happened is Mr. Charlie Farr stood really close behind him, put his arm underneath David's armpit and played for him with a joystick. That's what I think happened. With his eyes shut. Yeah, probably. Because he couldn't see. Jay Ping, 159475. Enjoying this one. Thanks for the pick. Nice, addictive, challenging game. Those green little gits with the shade sabotaging your cubes are driving me crazy, though. They are. That's a common thing. From one of the, the original Cuba as well. One of the most annoying baddies in arcade history. And you can get two of them on the screen at the same time. <laughs> Mark Happy, dude, 159,620. Graham Tenshear is 165.030. He is Jimmy. Mr. He is Jimmy. 186,950. It took a long time to warm to cubes, but glad I stuck with it. Despite it being the world's most annoying game, it's one of the better ones. Level 6 is a mare, and I'm not sure I'll get any further. In third place, we have ZX Michael, who's playing very well this year. 188,605. Good fun, but never going to get past round five. It's too bleep, 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 bleep hard. Cubert swearing. Mm. Neil, 20 to 5. Done really well in position two. Not that kind of position. 252,760. Still loving this pick, but level seven can go and do one. Great pick. Lovely game. I would never have touched it ordinarily. No. Guess and what? Guess what? In the first place, Mr. Charlie Farr. 428,470 points. That is absolutely brilliant, but let me put a big but in there. Charlie Farr is a very, very, very good Cubert player, and he can get millions on Cubert. Seriously, one handed, because you play it one handed, blindfolded hand behind his back talking to us playing the game but he can't get millions on this so Cubert's cubes is harder than Cubert do you think I think yeah I think it is I think you've you've got a, a lot more thinking which is not my strong point <laughs> no nor mine but he's put determined to pass level 8 so he got to level 8 and he got to level 8 on the on the zoom screen share wow. that he did I I'm not sure why, I'll have to get on to him, Sean Courtney hasn't posted. Because he's a very good player of this as well. Our Sean from the Pie Factory podcast, I think he can get about half a million on it as well. So he's sort of Charlie Far good on this game. Wow. Now, it is a sort of sequel to Cuba already, and a very, very worthy one of that, as all our listeners have been telling us. Mm. So, in the, the sort of canon of games, FHMC faster, harder, more challenging Cuba is actually just a difficulty change on the original Cuba. And there is a version of Cuba called Mellow Yellow Cuba. You've seen that one? No. What is it? A it, branded? Some, it's some a brand. rare variant of Cuba, just with, it's got um, sponsored by Drinks Company, Fizzy Drinks Company, and has their logo on the title page, as well as a video intermission of Cuba slurping up a drink through his nose. Weird. Mm. Looks like 
Ooh, you put this in here. Looks like Cubit's Cube's got a version on the ColecoVision. It did, and it looks all right, actually. It looks oh, cool. pretty okay. And there's a very basic one as well on the Atari 2600 where the cubes don't spin. It just right. can't handle the graphics. It might do now with some of the guys, what they're doing with it. Yeah, but, but as the, long as it changes colour, you'd still notice it was doing what it had to do. I'm not sure what it would do. It didn't look very... Well, I presume like if, you, if, you, if you, you would move it from you know, sort of clockwise, it would just change the colour from the other face to the other face. You wouldn't actually see it move around. It just changed the colour, which might be a bit confusing for your head to work it out. But, yeah, I think the game would still work that way. The Coleco Vision one looks pretty pretty damn good, really, for the... For nice. The I, I didn't the think there was any, any conversion. That's pretty good, then. Parker Brothers did mm, it. Cool. The only, the only thing I can say bad about the game, and forgive me for this, is it gets a bit too hard, a bit too quick. I don't know. You get. I I found it really hard at three three. Like I said, I never beat that. But that is, what's that? That's eleven levels in. It's not bad. Yeah, I suppose. I suppose. Yeah. But mind you, you can do the levels in seconds. The first four levels you can do in maybe. 30 seconds like. yeah yeah that's that's probably the best way to do it if you want to get the bonuses as well mm. so one of my favorite little jingles here Annoy. Enjoy. definitely enjoy uh just like cuba i'm not very good at it but it's a game that always entertains me rather than beats me with a stick. I love Cuba, and particularly like knocking the stupid rat off the cubes. I really like doing that. I love the characters, and that rat just deserves to be knocked off, and I love it when he falls off as well. Take that, rat fink. <laughs> I'm going to put enjoy it as well. Oh, just let me give you one of these, Sean. Excuse me. Excuse me. A little yes. golf clap, yeah. I'm going to put I enjoy it as well. I've been dipping in and out of this game over the last month and can regularly get to the level 3-3, like I said. This is where the green guys first start ruining your day. Ooh, don't bonus levels are very... I love doing the bonus levels. Well, the yeah. first one I can do. Really good. I think, right, you could turn this into a step-time puzzle game. What, what? I mean uh, is... Uh, who? What? Step-time. So you move everything else moves on the screen you have a think you think right you sit down you've got your tea yeah no no sorry, not tea coffee you think right if i flip that that way i'm going to rotate that the baddies are going to move and you could do it like that you could have a right good think about it it could be like a chess kind of experience wouldn't work so well in the arcade though eh, mate <laughs> not really no i didn't think of that but i think it's a, a worthy sequel to cuba i think it really is absolutely like a hidden gem. Do you know what? I've got a feeling this is the first game in the whole of the podcast history where the two hosts and all the listeners who've wrote in feedback have liked it. It's a universally liked game. Not one person dislikes it. Ooh. So, yeah. for the first time ever on the podcast, this game, the game itself, is getting a... Resonant ping. <laughs> so well done, wow. all the people involved in Cubert's Cubes. And the game didn't even really have a wide release. What a shame. I know, I know. Next show's game. Right. Next You show. are in trouble, Mr. Holly. <laughs> Explain to the listeners why you're in trouble. 
I thought we'd try something different. You didn't think. We've never tried a light gun game. Uh, right. Like, Can yeah. I just correct you already? Mm. This game is not a light gun game. Well, it's like it, isn't it? No. It's, it a, it's a fancy joystick game. Go on. But you use a, you use, you play it like a light gun game. Mm. So we're playing, kids, mm. Operation Wolf, one of the masters of the genre. You can use a mouse and two keys, or a mouse and two two mouse buttons, mice buttons, or you can use a joystick. It's very playable with a joystick if you up, up the sensitivity. So it's Taito, 1987, Rami's Op Wolf, O-P-W-O-F-W-O-L-F, sorry, World Set 1. And it's all default settings, six ammo magazines at start, medium difficulty, no extra lives. So I've been playing this, and it's very... Very playable with a mouse. It, it it works really well. It's probably I don't know if it's easier to aim than it is on a, a with when you're on that kind of machine gun thing you've got on the cab. I can actually test it out because it's at work. I have things to say about this game. Go on. No, we'll keep it for the podcast, silly. <laughs> uh, I'm not happy. I don't want to play it, and I hate it. This you really like, hate it? Yeah, I really hate it. I, I, I really, really hate it. I've never worked out what the appeal is to it. Uh, I've obviously played it as a kid. I know what the cabinet looks like. I know what the game's like. It's classic. People tend to love it, like Outrun. They tend to love it. We shall. I will play it. I will have a, give it a good go. And we'll see what happens in the next podcast in, in about a month's time, Sean. So people need to play this as you said, with a keyboard and mouse, or with joystick, or if you've got a proper cab, or you go to the arcade club, whatever, uh, please submit your score. You can email to the site, vertvic at 10pencearcade.co.uk, or Twitter, or Facebook, uh, as a comment on the podcast post. On Twitter, it is... Hashtag 10pscore. Yes. And also, join in on the Sidekick app, if you haven't got it already. Uh, The deadline for score submissions is... The 4th of August, 5pm UK time, please. Time, yeah. gentlemen and ladies, mm-hmm. please. That will be very, very nice. So enjoy this game. <laughs> and you can, you, can, yeah, you can play it on your laptop, actually, with a mouse. It's, it's very easy to do. Mm. Or you can go and buy a cab. Might be tricky. Yeah. A minute. yeah. <laughs> we'll do that, shall we? Say goodbye, Sean. Goodbye, Sean. Goodbye, Victor. You can download or play the podcast, read all the show notes, and leave feedback at www.10pencearcade.co.uk. You can email me at vertvic at 10pencearcade.co.uk. You can also reach us on our Facebook page. You can tweet me at 10pencearcade. We'd love to hear from you for game suggestions, arcade pickups and stories, or any of your personal thoughts on anything we may have covered. <laughs>